It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Mason Brew on SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast equivalent of the Glasgow family. I am Jared Stormer of mazenbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazenbrew.com. Andy, we survive another week, albeit by the skin of our teeth. We are 2-0 and after what happened, has to be described as just a slop fest. But even that seems an insult to decent slop fests everywhere. How are you doing, my friend? I have been to frat parties less sloppy than the game this past weekend. It was miserable. Felt like I was having surgery and being poked and prodded with all kinds of things in a dentist's office. It was awful. I hated it. But we won and we're here. Yeah, I decided to skip class for that. And I much rather would have been in class learning about uh, the heat waves and uh, how that impacts urban ecology. That sounded like more fun. Uh, I'd rather had a colonoscopy than watch that. But nonetheless, we did. We got through it and uh, Michigan got through it. Which, I mean, I guess if we have to say something positive is if you can play that ugly and still come out with a win, uh, hey, good on you. But uh, let's not make a point of that. That being said, uh, we are here this week. Uh, we're going to break down Army. We're going to kind of talk about the season thus far, what we've seen, uh, the state of Michigan, the state of the Big Ten. Uh, but let's let's really talk about that Army game. And uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think the sky is falling, but uh, I want you to air your grievances with me, man, because there's got to be some after that. <laughs> there, there's got to be some. Let's just start with the low-hanging fruit. All right. While he's there and in mind, you're making environmental references. <laughs> of course. 
the global unshifting of Pangea would not have helped Quinn Nordine make that field goal. <laughs> let's just let's just start right there. I hope there is no more kicking controversy because tell me it's fifty five yards all you want. Tell me how strong his leg is. That ball was on State Street. It was terrible. It wasn't even close. No, no kicking controversy. I don't want to see him on the field again. Yeah, if that ball were made of nickel and the magnetic poles of the earth shifted while it was in air, I don't think that that thing's coming back enough to go in. So, uh, you know, it's nice to be right about something. And we were right about Quinn Nordine having the accuracy of uh, essentially a three-year-old me drunk off a Jim Beam. (laughs) Very poor indeed. And... But then we get so high on Jake Moody, who does come up clutch and seal the game in overtime, almost misses that extra point in the first overtime. Yeah, that gets glossed over. I was re-watching. We were inches away from defeat at any moment. Of course, you know, we were inches away from being up 14, and, you know, a couple different things go our way. But, yeah, Moody almost misses that, but comes in and drills the 43-yarder. So I say the kicking controversy is over. I know this isn't up to me, but uh, I'm calling it right here. Jake Moody's your guy for the rest of the season. Unless you want to attempt like a 75-yarder just because you think it's funny. (laughs) That's about the only reason. Unless you have some weird comedic sense, just go ahead and put him out there. But besides that, no. Let's just keep him on the sideline with his bad haircut. And let's just – let's let Moody handle all this, please. Let's move forward. And speaking of moody, I am a little moody uh, because there's just there's a lot of problems here. We're two games in and, uh, you know, you expected to see some growing pains. This is a new offense, new offensive coordinator. Um, But now two weeks in, I'm looking around the league. There's a lot of teams breaking in new offensive coordinators, and some of them are absolutely dominating. Uh, While while we look like we can't hold on to the ball or complete like a basic, you know, offensive set. So I don't think we have much of an identity at this point, or at least they haven't shown one. And maybe they're just trying to keep things off of tape. But do you see any sort of identity? Can you tell me what this team's offensive identity is? No, this is the same offensive as last year, except it's from shotgun. You said growing pains, but growing, you know, evokes thoughts of progress. There has been none these first two weeks on offense. It's been miserable to watch. Yeah, I'm not going to count those six RPOs that, you know, have have gone to Tariq Black across the middle. I'm not going to count that as like some revolutionary change in our offense. It hasn't made any sort of difference. We're not quick strike. We're not big play. uh, We're not controlling the clock. I mean, at least last year, I think that these first two teams, and I think it was Broom, uh, Anthony Broom, that made this point. Last year, if we're just running our base offense from last year, I think that we run over Middle Tennessee State and Army. Do you agree? I do as well, and his argument for Middle Tennessee State was Michigan's ceiling is higher, and I still think it can be higher with this offense, you know, as long as they execute at a high level and don't just run mediocre, rudimentary offense. Like, oh my god! Like, yeah. what, what, what? Then receivers are dropping passes, which break up everything else. So to further hurt the cause, our most talented offensive group can't make plays in space when they are in space because they can't catch the football. Here's where, where I have problems. And I mean, if this goes back to last year in that it didn't seem like we really, you know, were very forward thinking or trying to do anything on the cutting edge because we'd have second and one and we'd run it three times. And that's what we do. And look at what we did in this game. It happened to us three times and we were stopped on fourth and one. They were just running out of the shotgun, which is actually worse because it takes longer for the play to develop and it takes longer for your running back to get to the line of scrimmage. 
I mean, there was no fooling Army whatsoever on either of those fourth down stops. They knew exactly what was coming. They knew Shea wasn't going to pull it because he didn't do it all game. Um, they knew we weren't going to pass it because we had shown them that, oh, yeah, we're not we're not going to pass it all in the second half of games. Apparently, I think we've thrown the ball like eight times in the second half of both games, whereas we threw it 25 in the first half. So that right there should kind of tell you about the lack of identity. I mean, what is what is that? I mean, because we're not exactly blowing anybody out at the half either. No, it's just been struggles. I mean, just and every facet of the offense and then couple that with the fact that Shea Patterson has an oblique injury and can't throw to his left. So the argument is Shea Patterson at half his health, three quarters health is better than a hundred percent of Dylan McCaffrey. Give me a break. Yeah. You made that point in your article, which was a great article, by the way, I checked that out on amazing brew. And uh, I loved, I loved what you said about that is there's no, if Patterson's even at 85, 87, 90%, and he can't either tuck it and run or is too afraid to tuck it and run on those read options um, or can't make all the throws across his body, across the field, then yeah, you do go with Dylan McCaffrey. Now I'm not trying to be a proponent of a quarterback controversy here, but you have a great backup and that's what he's for is if your guy can't get it done, your, your first option, you go with that backup then and give him a chance. In that game, I guarantee you McCaffrey could have given us a little spark because on the run pass options, that dude is actually probably better than Shea Patterson at that. And Shea Patterson didn't pull it once. I think he left about 60 to 100 yards on the table if he would have pulled instead of giving it to Charbonnet. I think so, too. I think you're dead on. Like, he does not want to take the hit. He's injured. Apparently, he got injured on the first run against Middle Tennessee State when he fumbled. Maybe Dylan McCaffrey's not the passer Shea Patterson is, but I guarantee you he's more of a passer than he is right now because Patterson can't throw to his left. Yeah, and that's that's a huge problem for us now, especially since, I mean, we've got Wisconsin coming up. Thank God we have a bye and he can get healed up and hopefully get his mind right because I still think Shea Patterson gives us the best chance to win. His leadership, um, his arm talent, uh, his accuracy is a little above McCaffrey right now, I think. I mean, we haven't seen McCaffrey throw a ton. So, I mean, we need him at his best. And if not, you're absolutely right. If he's only, if we're only going to get 85% of Shea, then yeah, we do have a quarterback controversy and it should be McCaffrey. Yeah, because right now he's only the Derek Zoolander of quarterbacks. He can't go to his left. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a concern. What, what is this, a quarterback position for ants? That's exactly what it's like. And he just kept missing throws. And then they eventually just went away from it completely because receivers could either not catch. Shea couldn't get them the ball. They couldn't get open, which I just have – is that because Jim McElwain's gone and not coaching wide receivers anymore? Like how can these receivers not be open? Very surprising. Very surprising. I, I was re-watching it, and it's very difficult to see because of the camera angle. Uh, what they were running in the back end, it looked like they were running some sort of like blanket zone um, and making it so that their pressure could get to Shea before anyone could get open. But I refuse to believe that Tariq Black, Nico Collins, like Ronnie Bell started to get open a little bit towards the second half. I mean, is he that much faster than those guys? Tariq Black looked pretty quick against Middle Tennessee. So I have no idea how guys weren't getting open, or maybe Shea just wasn't seeing them. Um, McEwen got open a couple times across the middle. Um, but yeah, and then also, I mean, I don't know how we haven't discussed this yet, the fumbling. If Shea Patterson's not taking care of the ball, he threw a ball to Ronnie Bell that probably should have been intercepted, but Bell made a great play on it. I mean, he put the ball on the deck twice. One of them, maybe not necessarily his fault, but he still did it. Um, so at this point, Shea Patterson is is almost hurting more than he's helping. He hasn't made any play that you're just like, yes, that's what we need. I mean, nothing, nothing too otherworldly. 
No, shout out Christian Turner for that strip sack. He did a hell sure of a job. Yeah. The, the fumbles are just – they have to stop. Like said, you said off air, they, Michigan has to regress to the mean in regards to fumbles because this season would be a statistical anomaly how much the, at the rate they're currently going. Like it can't keep up like this. And if it does, I mean, here's the seven and five, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's why we're getting our grievances out here. I wanted to talk about that when we get to our glimmers of hope, because it's not all gloom and doom. But I mean, we need to get some of this out there, air the grievances. But yes, it will revert to the mean. There's absolutely no way we're going to keep fumbling like that. We were number one in the country last year in fumbling. So it makes sense to take a little bit of a step back there. There's no way we're going to be putting it on the deck four or five times every single game. If so, then yeah, your coaching staff might need to be like reshuffled or just sent to live in, you know, an outpost in Antarctica. Uh, So I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, But the things that they can clean up, they need to clean up. I mean, the turnovers, the lack of identity, the play calling still to me, the play calling is not great. And yeah, like we were saying earlier, maybe that's because you don't want to put things on tape. But like you said off air, man, like you got to beat army. You got to beat the teams on your schedule. Forget looking ahead. Yeah. What do you lose the game and say, Hey, we didn't put anything on tape. No, <laughs> just win the damn game, please. Yeah. The, that's it's getting so silly and so out of hand with things like that. Like, please, like, come on. It just doesn't make much sense. But I'll tell you one thing that really concerns me moving forward that's kind of been hidden behind all the fumbles and play calling, all of that, is Zach Charbonnet's usage. 33 carries for an 18-year-old against Army with no backup at all in the second half because Drew Wilson's hurt, Christian Turner can't block, Ben Summerin can't hold on to the ball, and Haskins can't block. That's not going to last. No, no, that can't. And, I mean, you weren't even necessarily putting him in positions to succeed. I mean, you were running the run-pass option, but Shea Patterson is either scared of losing his job, hurt, regressed as a quarterback, or all the above, and didn't make the right reads. So you're putting Charbonnet in a terrible position to succeed. He still did because the dude is the second coming of Terrell Davis, but not sustainable. No, it's it's not. And I mean, it was great to see him get 100 yards. He deserved all three of those touchdowns because he carried the offense most of the game. Mm-hmm. But also, while we're here, why can't the offensive line run block anymore? You know, I I heard something about, I think it was maybe Gaddis that said it or Hart, or maybe it was even Don Brown that uh, the defense was doing a lot to take away like the the power that the offensive line has because they have a huge size advantage. They were running a lot of stunts, uh, making it so guys on the offensive line had to deal with two guys each time. Uh, Ryan Hayes, you know, he missed he missed a couple blocks. He had a pretty good game, all things considered. But uh, this offensive line has not looked dominant through two games. Not at all. They do not look like a team that's going to dominate Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Ohio State. That's for sure. No, I'm very scared of Chase Young at this point. Very scared. And I didn't need to see this offensive line to feel that way. It's only just been exacerbated. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not super worried about the offensive line. I think we've got some bigger problems right now. I think the drops at wide receiver and the lack of separation at wide receiver is a little more surprising. Um, going into this season, I thought we had a top five wide receiver room. Uh, right now, you absolutely could not say that. I mean, there's there's way better wide receiver rooms that are doing more with less. Um, and granted, Shays, you know, he's been off off the mark a little bit. But I mean, there's been I think Gaddis said 10 drops so far. I mean, in two games, I mean, that's that's awful. Ten drops. Uh, what is it? Seven fumbles. You haven't lost all of them, but three on Saturday. Uh, Ten penalties. I mean, 
it's been messy. Like it's been extremely messy. And uh, I would say like really that your leeway stopped last week. I mean, we probably should have lost that game. It is definitely over now. Like there is no more leeway with this season. You got Rutgers in there somewhere, but that's about it. You get Rutgers and you get Brandon Peters looking for blood with Illinois. No, Michigan should have lost on Saturday. They they were outplayed, outcoached, out-executed, out-game plan, but they didn't. And Michigan played this poorly. Kind of getting ahead of myself here talking about the hope. Just Michigan can get the job done even when the sun's not shining. And there's something to be said for that. There absolutely is. And uh, I think that's a pretty good segue. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the glimmers of hope because this was a lot of doom and gloom after just not a great performance, not an inspiring one. But there are some things that uh, that you can glean from this, uh, especially on the defensive side. And uh, we got a bye week. So there's some stuff to talk there. And then I kind of want to talk to you about uh, the state of the Big Ten and where Michigan fits into that. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We have moved on from the doom and gloom, at least in the segment of the pod. Uh, maybe not so in our hearts, but uh, we want to talk about you know what we've seen so far, not just against Army, but as well against Middle Tennessee, uh, to give us some hope for this season because it's not all doom and gloom. So, uh, and you talk about some things that we've seen that should give us some hope that uh, you know maybe the the sky isn't crumbling and maybe we don't need to drink insecticide. <laughs> not yet, at least. Um, <laughs> We'll start off with a couple players. I'll start off with two on defense, three on defense in particular, and that is Aiden Hutchinson, Jordan Glasgow, and Josh Metellus. One at each level of the defense. They are all playing out of their minds this season. Metellus is playing like an All-American at safety. Jordan Glasgow looks like one of the three, three or four best at any position on the team right now. Plays with just tremendous effort, outplaying Kalik Hudson. And Aiden Hutchinson is getting better from week to week like this week he finally progressed throughout the game made the big play to set up the strip sack by quitty pay he looks like he's going to be a force and i'm really excited about those three especially aiden hutchinson moving forward 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'll give some props to the entire defense, but uh, start with those three guys that you mentioned. We kind of predicted Metellus and I mean, he was on all the watch list. That's not very surprising, but he is really playing out of his mind. Uh, He's been mentioned by pro football focus two weeks in a row as a guy that's just he's there around the ball whenever he needs to be. Should have had a return. I mean, the, they owe him some money. NCAA owes that man some money because that was a, a clean pickup, fumble recovery, and return for a touchdown. Would have changed the complexity of that game, too. Uh, so, absolutely. Jordan Glasgow is out playing Khalid Hudson, which hurts me to say. Big Hudson supporter. Uh, Hudson had a dozen tackles in that game, but hasn't really done anything that flashed, but did also have like a, the, the offsides there, too, which doesn't help. So, Jordan Glasgow has been incredible. Uh, bigger this year. Um, just as fast as he was, but that added, I think, strength. And I mean, just being in this program now for five years, I believe he's a fifth year senior. Tenth. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually 41. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he's one of the best players on the defense and uh, saving my my favorite for last. Aiden Hutchinson may have surpassed uh, Khalid Hudson for me as my favorite player on the defense. Uh, I mean, just you saw where he was at last year. Rashawn Gary said he was ahead of him as a freshman. And now you're starting to see him grow into that skill set. He's not. I mean, he's still learning. This kid is a sophomore. He's like 19 years old, but his ceiling is unreasonable. And they run the NASCAR package with Uche, Hutchinson, Pay and uh, Dana. Yeah, I, I absolutely cannot wait for the monster truck package of Welshoff, Hutchinson, McGregor. And like, yeah, one of the other Colossus of Rhodes that we have out there. So Hutchinson right now looks like the best player on the defense, I would say. If I had to pick best player on the defense, him or Metellus. He is. And I'll give somebody that's like the uh, – who who was the microwave for the Bad Boys Pistons? Uh, the microwave? No, uh, Adrian Gantley? No. Um, the, uh, oh. That's old school, man. That's like the the Bad Boys Pistons. I mean, you weren't even Vinny born. Johnson. Vinny Johnson because he heats up at the right time. That is Josh Uche on this defense. Josh Uche or or Metellus. I mean, because Hutchinson really came through in the clutch there in overtime. There, so did Camp Pay. Uh, the whole defensive line really stepped up. But uh, I like that about Josh Uche. Uh, Josh Uche has been playing very well. Yeah, he just he's very versatile, moves around. When Michigan needs to play some disruption, he always finds a way. He just plays so violent and mean, and I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm an absolute huge fan of Uche, Hutchinson. Those guys look great. Metellus looks great. Lavert Hill and, and Hudson, not great starts for them. Uh, they could still turn it around. Uh, Thomas looked good again in this game. He had a pretty good game. Corners aren't really going to flash in, in, in a game like that against Army. Um, but I just got to give props to the defense overall. Um, I mean, it doesn't look good on paper when you look at the scores, but they've given up 28 of the points that they've given up are basically on the offense because they've been, you know, on a short field. So the defense has done what they needed to do. They held Army to their lowest rushing total and, you know, average rushing. Um, you know, the Middle Tennessee, you know, they, they kept in control and there was really the only only the one garbage time touchdown. So this defense looks fine. I have no concerns really with the defense. Is it as good of a defense as last year? Maybe not. We'll find out. But I'm not concerned. The starters haven't given up just one traditional drive. They gave up, like you said, all the points off of turnovers in this game and the prior game. 
Uh, the last touchdown of Middle Tennessee State was against more reserves and starters. And the overtime touchdown came after Army had just driven the ball for three minutes, picked it right back up, and started driving again. So once again, non-traditional. When faced with a full field, this defense is ready to go. They always find a way, get off there, and the offense has had to slow down just to give them some rest because they saw against Middle Tennessee State, they started to wane a little bit. So hopefully the offense can get it together to balance out this just heroic effort the defense has put forth these first two weeks. It really is. And, uh, you know, that's a good segue. Let's talk about some glimmers of hope on the offense because it's not all gloom and doom there. Um, you know, we saw against Middle Tennessee State that Tariq Black can really be an effective weapon in this game. Ronnie Bell emerged in the second half against Army, caught seven of eight balls. Some of them were way behind him that he shouldn't have caught. Um, so, so I think there's there is still talent in that receiver room and we get Donovan Peoples-Jones back. So I, I don't think that all is lost with the receivers, but the receivers have started way behind schedule and have not been nearly as dominant as I would have thought. Like I said, coming into the season, I thought it was a top five positional unit in the country. So uh, I expect that position group to ascend. I think so too. And you touched on uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Peoples-Jones, John Runyon Jr., Donovan Jeter, True Wilson, Josh Ross, Michael Dwumfor. All these players are battling injuries right now. We should get all of them back, hopefully for Wisconsin. And just injecting all of them, especially back into the offense, give Charbonnet some balance back there, give Shea better protection, give Donovan Peoples-Jones back on the field, can, could completely change the dynamic of this offense. Absolutely. Especially Donovan Peoples-Jones on punt returns. There's been two muff punts already. You know, one of them was turned over by Lavert Hill and then Ronnie Bell muffed another one. So that's huge right there. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is about the most tr I'd trust him with my kids if I had him. And uh, yeah, yeah, you get John Runyon back. And while Ryan Hayes has played admirably, he's not at John Runyon's level. So, I mean, that'll be huge. You got to get that unit back together. I mean, we already lost Stuber. So that'll be big to get Runyon back. I would say of all those guys we're getting back, Runyon may be the biggest. Him or Peoples-Jones, what do you think? I might say Peoples-Jones because it feels like the drop-off at receiver and punt return are so much more than even Runyon to Hayes. True. You said you can't discount the reliable hands. Michigan has been blessed with reliable punt returners from Peppers to Peoples-Jones. Although he had his struggles, he is a freshman. He was a freshman. He's yeah. since then gotten rid of – got all those out of the system. It's just been just a staple back there. Having him back, especially offensively, will help get him in space, hopefully. But then Runyon protecting the blind side can really negate some of the just deficiencies we've seen exploited with Hayes out there because there's not the continuity on this line without Runyon there. Michigan shifts a lot of protections from the tackle position. And I'm sorry, just having a two-year starter experienced senior like John Runyon – means more than having redshirt freshman Ryan Hayes there. Yes. And, I mean, we're both high on Hayes' ceiling. I think he's got a great future at Michigan. But right now, this season, it's not his time. It's Runyon's time. I agree with you. I think it's Donovan Peoples-Jones, then Runyon, and then I'll say getting Dwumfor back because we do not have an interior defensive tackle that really penetrates right now. Uh, Carlo Kemp is very solid, um, but I don't think that he's – an above average player. Well, I mean, he is, he's playing for Michigan. He's starting and he's playing well. So he is an above average player, but he's no Maurice Hurst. I'll say that. Uh, and neither is Dwarm for, but I think he's probably got the quickest step of our defensive tackles and could be the best interior pass rusher. So that'll be a big get as well. Yeah. He's just a bigger body. And he is the best interior pass rusher we have. And unless Donovan Jeter truly made that step, we still don't know about Luigi Valander, the talented freshman we heard so much about in camp. 
but it all just kind of seems like camp fodder as usual. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh, another, you know, bright spot here is that, like we were saying earlier, the fumbles should revert to the mean. Uh, there's no way we're going to average three fumbles a game. That would be a historically bad season. Um, that being said, Shea also hasn't thrown an interception yet, and he's likely to throw an interception. So, I mean, there, there's some yin and yang there. We'll probably revert back to the mean on fumbles. Getting Donovan Peoples-Jones back will help with that. You know, less likely to put the ball on the deck there. So I expect this offense will start to round into form a little bit, and we'll probably see more of the average, at least as far as turnovers, starting against Wisconsin. I don't think this will be enough, like a five-turnover game or anything. If it is, oh boy, you might want to at least start crowding near the lifeboats. <laughs> yes, space will be taken up. People will already just be jumping ship without them and swimming for land. Yeah. Um, yeah, that will be rough. Michigan, but like you said, against Army before, like they've proven they can do it with the five turnovers and get it done. They just can't afford to do that all the time because everything does catch up to you. You can't just keep getting away with it. And like Michigan will, they'll clean it up. It won't be three fumble games. They won't be three turnovers on downs or anything like that. So that is a positive. And another one is Will Hart and Jake Moody on special teams and Giles Jackson. I'll lump him in there because he's been a standout Ooh, yeah. back there. The special sure. teams for Michigan has been very good. And that brings me back to the fake punt call out there. I think they called it on the field, as Joel Clatt alluded to. And the coaching staff to instill that trust in them to make that call at that position on the field at that time in the game is huge. Michael Barrett threw a beautiful dime right to Dax Hill, made a move, first down, completely changed the momentum at that moment. Special teams for Michigan has been the best unit, even better than the defense, just because it's not on the field as much. Well, I mean, there also was the uh, the field goal attempt by Quinn Nordine that oh, missed, you're right, you're right. <laughs> that missed by about I don't know two or three counties, and then you know we've we've put the ball on the deck at, at punt returner as well. But yes, you're absolutely right. Giles Jackson looks like a player. We've really got something with him. I think he runs one back this year. He looks like a stronger Dennis Norfleet. Um, and and you trust what you've got with Jake Moody. So, yeah, definitely some glimmers of hope there. Special teams, I think, will be okay. I think the offensive line, which is underwhelmed so far, um, offensive line's a position group that I've noticed gradually gets better throughout the season. I mean, look at Notre Dame last year and then how much they, they progressed from there. So I expect this offensive line to get better and better, especially once Runyon gets back into the mix. And True Wilson, getting him back is going to be big. Uh, because, I mean, as much as we like Christian Turner as a runner, he's not nearly at the pass protection level of Charbonnet and True Wilson, who are otherworldly in pass pro. Uh, and we're going to need that. I mean, especially if we want to be a little bit more of a pass-heavy offense, which, I mean, shoot, I mean, it's going to be tough not to be more pass-heavy than we were against Army and Middle Tennessee State. So that'll be big. So the guys coming back, and you got to hope Shea Patterson can get healthy as well. This is a great time for the bye week. If he can get that oblique healthy, that should be another thing that gives you hope is that a healthy Shea Patterson going in with all these guys coming back, that's going to be a better-looking Michigan offensive unit against Wisconsin. All those are great points, but I just keep thinking about Quinn Nordine kicking that ball up to Kego Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ball, that ball's somewhere in Lake Erie right now, I'm pretty sure. They never recovered it. And yeah, the ball's at the UP somewhere. We're still searching. Yeah. <laughs> Traverse City. Uh, yeah, Michigan, everything like that is going to settle out. And I just want to see how good this team is. Chips are down, healthy, penalties aside, turnovers cleaned up. And then we can really assess this team for what they are. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, there's some reasons to think that this team can turn it around. But uh, that being said, I kind of want to address you know the team as a whole right now and their position in the Big Ten because the Big Ten all of a sudden looks even more difficult than it did when the season began, uh, which is good for perception of the league and all that stuff. But our schedule just got a lot harder. I mean, it was already ranked as like a top five uh, strength of schedule as far as difficulty. And now Maryland looks like a juggernaut and Wisconsin, no one scored on him. So uh, I want to talk about where Michigan sits right now in the Big Ten. I don't know how much you've watched of other teams, but kind of give me like your rankings and uh, and what you think about where Michigan sits there. I think Michigan sits probably, from what we've seen, around four or five in, in the whole Big Ten, not just the East. Ohio State's look great. Wisconsin's look great. Michigan yep. State's defense is just – they're giving up negative three rushing yards a game. Um, Maryland's looked really good. Iowa's looked decent. Penn State's looked pretty good. But I'd say Michigan's right there in the thick of it. I still think, like, talent for talent, execution, you know, assumed to be normal, not even anything, like, fantastic. Sit about, you know, three, four, five in there. Ohio State's clearly the best right now, and Wisconsin can't be put any lower than one or two. Makes it nobody yeah. scored on them, and Jonathan Taylor might be the front runner for the Heisman. Yeah, and I think you got to put Maryland up there because they have the biggest win. They have a like what was it a thirty point win over the number twenty one team in Syracuse. We don't know how good Syracuse is. Uh, the ACC doesn't really worry anybody, but on paper, that's the best win right now. So yeah, I think you can't really put Michigan higher than four or five, and that's just based on what we've seen. I mean, obviously, these things are going to sort themselves out. But right now, Michigan wants nothing to do with any of the above-mentioned teams. Now, we're going to get Wisconsin, but thank God we have this bye week. And uh, beginning of the season, I thought this was a terrible time for a bye week. I have completely pulled a 180 there. We need this bye week. So, uh, yeah, I'll agree with you somewhere somewhere around there, about four or five. But, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh said after week one, are we good enough now to beat the teams on our schedule? Uh, well, the teams on your schedule are getting better week in and week out. So, you better get it figured out quickly, and uh, it starts with this bye week. Yeah, the bye week, as they've always said, is improvement week. and The team needs to improve rapidly at this point to catch up with everyone. They have the opportunity to do so. But at the end of the day, Michigan's undefeated. They're 2-0. They're in the thick of this. If they win every game just like the Army game, guess what? They're in the playoff. So You're absolutely right, sir. You're absolutely right. So uh, – I mean, I think we're probably both on the same page here, but uh, what does Michigan need to get cleaned up on this bye week? What needs to change uh, going into Wisconsin? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious on some things, but I want to get your take on this. Michigan needs to find balance and an identity offensively. They can survive against Wisconsin without it if they clean up the turnovers and penalties first thing. You get to go out of the way, you're in the game at least. If you find an offensive identity, you can win the game. I agree entirely. And, uh, yeah, the offensive identity is going to be key. I love your point that you made off air that, uh, you know, looking at what Maryland's doing right now, setting school records. Uh, right now, it looks like Mike Loxley is the engineer of that love of last year's Bama offense. So Gaddis right now kind of looking like a lame duck. That should be motivation for him, I think. I mean, I still think he's an intelligent football mind. You know, he, he knows how to call a game, but he should be motivated now, like seeing especially what Loxley's doing at Maryland. I mean, I watched that Texas game and they took three Texas LSU. 
Texas came out and took three straight shots 20 yards or more down the field and scored on the third one. To me, that is trusting your athletes. That is trusting speed and space. So if that's what Gaddis claims to want, then okay, then let's see some more of that. Maybe not, you know, exactly what they did at Texas, but let's see some shots down the field. Let's see some more, you know, attempts to get explosive plays. I like getting Ronnie Bell involved a little more. What was the deal with, with Sainerstrill? You know, I thought he was going to be a big part of this. Let's try and get some of that speed in space because, yeah, we're going to need some big plays. And Charbonnet also needs to get – he needs at least 15 touches a game, I think. But 33, too much. It is too much. And having True Wilson back will help a ton. I just want Michigan to come out a week after next and just show they've been playing the long con. Five wide, space it out, and just start throwing underneath slants as streaking split ends go down the field. Oh, one can dream. God, that'd be glorious. They just come out, ha, it was all a joke. The first two weeks were all just a smoke screen and it's a completely different offense. I'd be for it. Josh, I'd paint a picture of Josh Gaddis and I have no artistic ability. The Josh Gaddis long con in 2019 is why I'm here. Ooh, man, I'd get that tattooed across my chest. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, you got to get the, the turnovers cleaned up and I do expect at least the fumbles will come down. Um, if, if they're still fumbling like that, I mean, you got a systemic problem. So that'll get cleaned up. Penalties. Penalties have got to get cleaned up. I know you got, you know, some freshmen on the offensive line. I get that. But you got Ben Bredesen getting called for two offsides. Ben Bredesen is a captain, a senior captain. Can't have that. Got to get that cleaned up. Cleek Hudson, senior, lining up offsides. Can't have that anymore. So penalties as well need to get cleaned up. Yeah, good luck with the blindside blocking, though, because special teams people are kind of limited to their capacity to play full-on football. (laughs) Yes, yes, very true. Um, All right, man, before we wrap up here, uh, I got a question for you. Is there a quarterback controversy? And if there is, how would you manage this situation? No, there isn't one, because the coaching staff refuses to acknowledge Dylan McCaffrey as a real threat because I think they're afraid it's going to break Shea Patterson's confidence. But if I were in their position, Dylan McCaffrey would at least lead a series or two in one of the coming games if Shea Patterson is not healthy. If Patterson's healthy, let him keep riding out. If he keeps struggling, it's time to let McCaffrey get some reps and see if he can right the ship. I agree with you in full. We kind of talked about this. That's exactly how I would handle it. Um, Against Army, I get it because you get an average of like six to seven possessions. So you really don't want to throw in McCaffrey there. They threw him in for one play and he threw a pass, which is weird because you don't get any rhythm, Um, which I think if you're going to bring him in, let him run the the read option because Shea wasn't giving it away, but I digress. Um, But I agree in a, in a normal game, you're going to get somewhere between like, you know, 12 to 20 possessions, give an entire one, give a drive to McCaffrey. Yeah. Even either if you're up, you know, a couple scores or if you're struggling to get the ball going, like let him have a chance, an actual chance to get a whole series with the offense to figure out what you have. Uh, because if Shea is shaken by the fact that he's got a guy nipping at his heels, well, maybe you need to give the guy nipping at his heels a chance because Shea is playing scared. Um, and and maybe it is that, you know, you and I are believers in this in the gamer theory that you put the bright lights on some players and they just shine brighter than others. I kind of think that might be Dylan McCaffrey. Look at the Notre Dame game last year. Yeah, he came in fresh off the bench right in the moment and rose up and didn't do anything you know, really detrimental to the team. Leaving Nebraska, when he came in in garbage time, it was garbage time. It was like the yeah. third quarter. and it was, it was garbage time by about six minutes in. Yeah, and then was just fine. 
he was just fine. Okay, they made big plays, scored a touchdown, started against Wisconsin. So I, I'm with you. I'm definitely subscribed to the gamer theory. But if Patterson is healthy for Wisconsin, you let him ride it out and see if he can ride the ship on his own first. Absolutely. I don't think there is a quarterback controversy. Shea Patterson is the more accurate quarterback, the better leader. You trust his decision-making a little more at this point. Uh, McCaffrey may have the higher upside, and you definitely need to get him onto the field. But if the gap is that close and Shea Patterson is struggling even a little bit, I, I don't think you can just write it off. So we're uh, we're on the same page there. Um that being said, Michigan's got a bye week this week. Uh, still some good games around the Big Ten, around the rest of college football uh, that we'll be watching. Um, is uh, Notre Dame-Georgia this week? That's next week. Next week, yep. Next week, yeah. So, man, next week will be a great, great weekend to college football. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I won't be leaving my couch this Saturday, so I'm excited for whatever whatever game is they throw at me. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> we get Iowa-Iowa State at least. Ah, yes, that should be a barn burner, I guess. Uh, I'm going to take uh, 10-7, Iowa. <laughs> Two, I'm 6-3. <laughs> Too high scoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But at the same time, Iowa scares me a little bit, man. So, yeah, our, our schedule, it doesn't get any easier. So, thank God it's the bye week. We've got some time to improve. There's plenty to improve upon. But uh, there's no need to jump ship yet, guys. I think there's still plenty of time, plenty of chances to save this season, and we have the talent to do so. For years under Harbaugh, it's been about how he can't finish and how he can only start the season and build into it. This year, Michigan's Mm -hmm. having trouble starting. Now we'll see if they can finish. I'd be totally fine with that. You can lay another egg next week, and, and you could even lose so long as you win out the rest of the way. I'd be all right with it. New theory. I'm, let's let's do it. Let's drop one next week and let's turn it all around. Sure, hope we lose next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go Badgers. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for him. <laughs> all right. Uh, any other thoughts from you before we close this out, brother? Two and zero, undefeated. Two and zero, people. Let's uh, let's all calm down. Uh, take a collective puff of a metaphorical cigarette. Uh, I actually did have to go buy cigarettes again at halftime. So, yeah, I, I, I did fail there. Not surprisingly, I can't control my stress reactions. <laughs> you, I sent you the picture of what I did at halftime. It was a bottle of vodka, a, a case of beer, and a pack of cigarettes. I had half like a pound a, of Reese cups. <laughs> a half a pound of Reese cups. Like, ah, good to have football back again, ain't it, lads? I know, diabetic coma and cancer for all of us. uh yes we missed it but uh that's gonna do it for us here on out of the blue uh make sure that you follow us on twitter instagram facebook all that stuff i'm at o blue 87 he's at andy underscore bailey one before be sure to follow mazen brew on twitter at mazen brew like us on facebook instagram do all that good stuff support uh support your local hooligans and we will continue to uh be the fans voice like, share, subscribe, leave a review for all your shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Mason Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by our fearless leader, Anthony Broom. That's going to do it for us this week. Always a pleasure. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. <laughs>